All right, welcome back to part two of the Northwest Convergence Zone show. For those of you who dared enter into the second realm, level number two, whatever you want to call it, we're part, back. Part do. Yeah, exactly. I'll take some do do do's. But uh, yeah, so welcome back to part two. This is our attempt at, um, you know, kind of making breaking the show up a little bit so it's not so long all in one portion and uh, let us know what you think about it you can always uh, email us or facebook us or uh, whatever we lo- we want your feedback we want to make this fresh we want to do some different things and uh, we'd love to hear from you guys what you like what you don't like what we should drop unless it's me yes because if they're like get double get d well if they said get double d out of there we would entertain that right but if they said get big, wait a minute we get big d out of there well then we'll just risk no listeners i thought i was wanted here <laughs> you were absolutely sure. wanted wanted the, here and in Snohomish <laughs> and in olympia a couple other counties <laughs> speaking well. of wa- okay but speaking of wanted that's good good segue double d uh com- very professional yeah thank you i actually planned that yeah, yeah, yeah you right did not he has it. his moments uh What's the deal with all the shootings going on? Once again, I'm watching King 5 and Coma 4 and all these stations, and we're hearing all about Tacoma and the shootings. And tasering. must be the beginning of hunting season or something. <laughs> <laughs> and tasering, yeah. There was some tasering going on. And I'm. it's like, if you watch the news and you live here in Tacoma, you're like almost afraid to walk out your door. Yes, that's yeah. why I don't come to Tacoma. <laughs> oh yeah you live in the highfalutin up area yeah but uh no i mean what's uh you guys have you guys have heard the stories and then you were telling us about the guy down on alki yeah unfortunately it was a uh, former retired metro bus driver <laughs> once again casting a great light on us professional dress bus drivers uh <laughs> but uh yeah he had a issue and uh came out with an ak-47 and the police don't react very well to that <laughs> when you're holding an ak and uh no. they shot him no so we had that we had a. there was another guy in seattle that had a knife <clears throat> yeah, oh, they that's shot right him they shot him yeah so, the three the three and a half in, uh incher which uh, yeah he was a whittler yeah, that's dangerous that was just enough to be illegal. he was whittling so do you think the police have ramped it up and they're not right. taking it anymore or over, are they overreacting or is it just, you know, just circumstantial, just happened to go bing, no, bang, boom? I think they ramped it up after all the, when all the cops got killed, the yeah. liquid cops and stuff. I think yeah. they just yeah. they're all, not taking any, uh, not taking any guff crap, from no. any situation that they're mm-hmm. in. I don't blame them. You know, it's a rough uh, job and uh, I'd be all Barney Fife getting ready to shoot my... <laughs> Only bullet <laughs> with your single bullet. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, very good. All right. Well, uh, I just was I was just curious about that because uh, you know um, there was also an incident over on like 40th and Asotin, which is by I five and 38th, where some guy barricaded himself up and had a ton of weapons in there and was threatening to commit suicide and whatever. And they they like kicked everybody out for like two blocks and. My parents live over there, and they had to come spend the night, and I was not too happy about that, to be honest with you. But I thought you always wanted your parents over. Just here. seemed like the cops are like, you know, they're not taking any crap right now. So everybody out there, beware! Don't have your Whitland knives out. But and you, know, you know what it might have been too? Is a couple of weeks ago, full moon. You are correct full about moon that. Period. Yeah, full moon period. Yeah, what is the deal about all the cops? Had, I mean, the guys getting killed with the tasers. I thought they were supposed to be less than lethal. 
a taser is supposed to be less than lethal, and <laughs> two people died in three days. Where or something? are they hitting them with the tasers? <laughs> yeah, that, that would kill me if they got the wrong spot. No kidding. I'd be like killing myself. <laughs> Jeez, that's, or maybe a jump jump started. I don't know. I, but uh, anyway, so that's enough of the negative news from Tacoma for a while. Thank you, Seattle, for put, painting us once again in an absolute crappy light because there's lots <laughs> yes. of good stuff going on down here, and uh, we have lots of fun down here. And that the only thing that that goes on down here is not shootings taserings and killings right we have a lot of other great things yeah like what can you name one um off the top of your head i didn't think so the roads are built nice (laughs) we have a dome (laughs) okay well uh our first interview well our interview in this segment is a um all right our uh first our guest on the second half of our podcast this week is a great author. His name is Sean Rohrbach, and he's coming to us from San Diego, California. It is that time of year when uh, we all start to hunker down a little bit. It gets dark early, and it's going to start raining and everything. And I know for me personally, this is when I get caught up on all my reading. I have a, a stack of books. Sean Rohrbach is our guest. He has authored a book, Cast the First Stone. <laughs> We had a chat with him. All right, everybody. Our next guest on the big program today is a fascinating author. He is uh, from the Northwest, but he's currently living down. Well, he's a smart guy. He's living down in San Diego, which is where we should all be at the moment. Uh, Sean Rohrbach. Sean, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the time. Yeah, well, we appreciate you ha- uh, having you on and that you have the time to come on with us. Now, you have a brand new book that was released on the first of this month. It is titled "Absolutely Titled Cast the First Stone, and we want to get into that in a minute. But first, let's learn a little bit about you. You're a Northwest guy, grew up here. Born in Seattle, born in Providence Hospital. Yes, and uh, <laughs> and what year? What? No, we don't want to. Yeah, I'm a, I, I'm a I'm a Swedish kid, Sean. <laughs> I think it was before they had pencils. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, as a growing up in the Northwest, what town were you in? Where did you go to school? And what was your experience of uh, sure. of being a Northwest guy? Started out in Seattle, and my parents decided we had twelve kids. There's twelve kids uh, wow. in our family, and decided to move us up to uh, Snoqualmie Pass right up there by the ski area, and that's where my dad worked. And if you drive by and you see all those ski lodges, about half of them he built, and that was his trade. He was a contractor, and he built the ski lodges, and that's where I grew up. And had a love of Ellensburg, went down and saw the rodeo a lot, uh, the Ellensburg rodeo, and also down the other side to Seattle. So when you're on top of the pass, you get you get both sides of the, uh, the mountain there. And that's my life growing up until high school. Uh, went to high school down in uh, Snoqualmie, uh, North Bend, Mount Side High School. Graduated from there in uh, <laughs> <laughs> one some year, <laughs> and then uh, was accepted into a Catholic seminary in Canada, and ended up that was not my calling, but I sure did enjoy uh, the the, the four year degree in philosophy. Uh, got a fantastic education, and then did a lot of traveling in Europe. Uh, got a job with a climbing magazine to write some articles on mountaineering in northern Italy and in Switzerland. And did my dispatches and made my thousand dollars a month, which was a lot of money back then. <laughs> and uh, had really had enjoyed a couple of years, um, and then came back and then started focusing on a master's degree uh, in business and information systems. And then uh, ended up working for many, many years in information systems. Uh, grabbed my MFA, Master's of Fine Arts, at Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado, founded by uh, Jack Kerouac and wow. uh, those folks. And cool. uh, and have since just been writing. It's been it's been a great life. Yeah. So and then uh, eventually found yourself in uh, San Diego. 
Absolutely, San Diego, sunny San Diego. I, I, yeah, the rain in Seattle is great. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> in Seattle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, for those, I do who... love. I have my mother still there, and I love coming back to Seattle. It's a great place. Oh, very good. Well, uh, it's actually very nice uh, today. <clears throat> I don't know when uh, people who are listening to this podcast, it might be raining at that time. So just nix what I just said. <laughs> uh, uh, it, it's so green there. It's and you know you just when I come back there uh, every time I come back, it's just so amazingly beautiful. Yeah, it's very especially up when you go to get up onto the pass and you're crossing Absolutely. that. That's that's yeah. great. Uh, yeah. SeanRoarback dot com is your website, and for those right. of you who go to check it out. There's one thing you're going to find out uh, real real quick about Sean is that he's really into cycling. Tell us about your your involvement and love of cycling. Great, awesome. Yeah, I, I, if anybody knows the the territory up in the northwest, there uh, if you know Fall City up through Snoqualmie to North Bend, you know the Falls Hill, and that's what I did. I rode my bike every day to school up the Falls Hill, and then of course down. <laughs> and that's an elevation gain of about 400 feet, and I did that every morning. It was a, it was a gas. That was right through high school. Um, took my bike to Canada and got involved in some amateur racing up in Canada, uh, local races. Um, this is way back. Uh, we're, we're, we're talking the 70s here. And then uh, when I was done with my bachelor's degree, I shipped off to Europe and borrowed a bike and got involved in amateur racing in northern Italy. I was sort of centered in Milan, Italy. And just got in with a club and did some amateur racing. Since then, no racing. Uh, I, you know, just recreational riding. Uh, one day, which I'm very proud of, my 30th birthday, I rode from Seattle to Vancouver, BC, in the same day. And, wow, uh, that's one of my greatest feats. Um, I'm sure others have done better, but hey, that's mine. That's a very impressive. And since then, I, I actually owned, partly owned a bike shop in uh, Port Orchard, Washington. That was a great part of my life. Um, and then uh, just uh, that's all I do now is just ride. I ride to work. I ride ride around. So to me, it's a great form of transportation. Did you ever do the Seattle to Portland? No, I never did. Uh, I always register too late or get try to register too late, and that sells out pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, so I never did get to do the STP. That's so. pretty popular. Well, Sean, yeah, I, I had a question for serious bikers such as yourself. Uh, and as you get more into it, um, the level of equipment and and the price. Um, if you're at the top level, what's a bike cost? Well, it's it's like uh, there's a great uh, one of the best cyclists ever, one of the one of the most famous cyclists ever, Eddie Merckx. Okay, he has a great quote, and it's called "Ride up grades, don't ride upgrades." You know, <laughs> and, and that, what that means is just get on the damn bike and ride. And uh, an old friend of mine, uh, he used to race for the, uh, he was in the uh, Air Force, and he raced in the '60 and the '64 Olympics. And, you know, he, he said he's one of these days he's going to go out there and ride on a Raleigh three-speed just to show these guys. <laughs> it can be done. It's, it's the dog that's not the bike. Oh, you know, man, those, bike. those old Raleigh's, yeah. those, uh, I think they weighed about as much as a tank. Exactly. <laughs> and, and the thing is, get a bike. It doesn't matter what you ride. Get a bike. Get a bike and get out there. Good advice. That's absolutely correct. Well, let's talk about your latest book, Cast the First Stone. This is your Great. fifth book. And uh, I... It's that time of year where people are starting to hunker down. Fall is setting in. I know my book pile is, you know, about five or six books high of uh, books that I that as soon as you know when the sun starts going down at six and you get inside, it's time to read a book. And cast the first stone is going to be on that pile. Tell us all about it. Great. 
I started out, uh, I, I was sort of fleshing out a novel uh, several years ago. This has actually been in the making for about five years. And originally, I, I was looking around me, and as I get into that age where, you know, uh, I'm getting a little gray hair, and uh, I, I see guys around me who, who haven't changed their attitude. They, they, they haven't adopted to some, some new thinking. And they set themselves up as dinosaurs, and, and they think that the old way, where the, you know, the old white guys, guy is always going to be in charge, that's the way it's going to be forever. And that's my, my character, Bradley LaPlante. He's a retired professor from Harvard. And in, in the second chapter of the book, you begin to see that this guy isn't getting it. He's just setting himself up for a fall. And that's the story I really wanted to tell, was that, you know, we adapt. You know, life, goes, life moves forward, and we adapt to that. And if we stay in a rut and we stay in the old ways, then, you know, things are going to catch up to us. And as I was moving along in the novel, I decided I, I, I needed uh, a, somebody to set him up and to take, try to take him down. And his son, Philip, and, uh, decides that he's going to become a professional cyclist. And this sort of evolves later, the, later as I write the novel. So the Philip decides he's going to race in Europe. He signs on with a French team. It's, it's an unknown team. He's not making much money. He's one of these you know, entry-level pro cyclists who just sort of is making 30000 a year and not like you know, $100 million a year or something like that. He's just a low-level you know, guy on a bike team. And they come to him one day and they go, you know, you're not winning. And if you don't start winning, you're going to go home. And so they say, here's this little program we got going and it's a little performance hands and stuff on the side. If you do that and you start winning, you get to keep your job. And so he succumbs to that. But he wants to hide that. And the father, being the you know, the big old guy that he is, and he just doesn't get it, he sort of has gone through life without ever really experiencing a lot of these little facets, little fine little facets of life, and he discovers while they're on vacation in the south of France a nude beach. <laughs> and this of course blows everything wide open. The mother, who also wants to divorce him, and the son, they conspire, and they begin to discuss among themselves and then with the local police that maybe something untoward is happening here. So I don't want to give the story away, but that's the gist of it, that the mother and the, the, mother and the son turn on the father, and the father is just blind. He just doesn't see it coming. And so, basically, there's a little bit of dysfunction going on in this family, and they're Absolutely. setting up they're setting up the old man now. Uh, in talking with you a little earlier uh, before we came on, uh, you dropped a dime that Ellensburg, Washington, has a little bit to do with this. Absolutely, it's I, I like Ellensburg. It's a great little city, and in fact, I took uh, about a year of courses there um, for my teaching certificate, which I never did finish. But I really like uh, Central Washington University. So I put this retired Harvard professor, you know, Bradley LaPont, on a ranch in Ellensburg because the wife loves horses, and he's teaching a philosophy course in Ellensburg, Washington, at Central Washington, State, uh, Central Washington State University. And I, I really wanted to pull that in. It was just a, a, a neat, quirky part to the story that here's this huge ego at Central Washington University. <laughs> I'm sure that never happens. <laughs> As if there's no egos there, right. <laughs> <laughs> so the name of the book is Cast the First Stone, and it is out right now. Tell us where we can pick this up, Sean. Right now, she's distributing through uh, Amazon.com. Just go to Amazon, type in Sean Rohrbach, S-H-A-W-N-R-O-H-R-B-A-C-H. You'll see that and my other books.
Great. Uh, and I recommend everybody go out. You can also go to his website, which is seanroarback.com, and uh, read a little bit of a preview of the Cast the First Stone. And I put it on the recommendation list. It's going to be on my pile. And uh, one last thing, Sean, I sure. noticed in your bio that uh, uh, apparently you're not that bad-looking guy. you got some modeling gigs going. Well, that's what I was doing in Milan as a very young man. I'm not that pretty anymore. So, <laughs> so all you ladies, rush to the website and uh, check Sean out. Send him an email, right? <laughs> all right, Sean, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to have you on. And Cast the First Stone is the name of the book. Sean Rohrbach is the author. He uh, was kind enough to be on with us today. Sean, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. All right. Double D, I, unfortunately for you, I'm sorry, uh, but I did uh, take a peek at this book. There are no pictures, and it's not huge print. <laughs> no pop-ups. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's a good read. I, I Go on to his website and uh, read his little um, uh, clip from it and uh, preview, and it sounds very yeah, interesting. It's got, it sounds like it's got a really fascinating kind of interplay between the characters. Yeah, and it's and, all... Uh, it's around a sport and uh, and some that parts people of the might not know a lot about. Yeah, cycling can learn something, which is a big, big sport. It's so. a big deal. Gee, it sounds like some of those people make a lot of money. That's what I was thinking when, when he, he said he the, says the the guy he's not making very much thirty grand a year. He's just uh, right. I'm like that's not yeah, bad. Yeah, but he's not making millions. It's like they make millions <laughs> on bikes. Shoot, I should have hung on to my huffy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we want to thank Sean for coming on with us, and make sure you check out his website. Go to Amazon.com and uh, pick up a copy of Cast the First Stone. I think it's time to uh, liven this up a little bit and find out where are they now. Fight, fight, fight for Washington State and big glory. Come, Tuttle from Tacoma. <laughs> All right. That's the well, line we were waiting for. Yes, it was. And I uh, got to say, miss the candy man. And that's the only version uh, that the, the Big Joe likes of the Washington State fight song. <laughs> Usually, I don't like that song in any form. But it's a little bit of a lead-in on uh, this week's Where Are They Now? Because really, it's more of a, who is that guy, to paraphrase uh, the uh, Paul Newman and uh, the Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid movie. And what we're talking about, if you're a college game day fan and you watch it religiously like I do on Saturday mornings at I, 7 o'clock. I tape it and watch it. There's always in the background, if you watch that, a Washington State flag flying in the background no matter where they're at. The Florida... Oklahoma, Texas, California, everywhere. You see the Wazoo flag. Right. And this is uh, the brainchild of a gentleman named Tom Pounds. He's a <laughs> 19, that's right. He's a 1981 Washington State proud grad. Uh, this started in October of 2003. It was the first time, and a little trivia for the Big D, where was the first site that it was flown at? Uh, take, Rose Bowl. Take a wild guess. Don't know. Dogs. Texas? Austin, Texas. Really? Very first time that the Cougar flag flew on the, college I'm game day. i shot down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. That, that was dangerous. But this year, this season, it'll mark 100 times that the flag 
has been flown wow. on college game day. And what Tom does, he goes to cougarfan.com to find Cougar alums and fans uh, who will do the flag. He doesn't do it every game. I thought maybe it was the same guy. Wow. Every time it is not the same guy. But what he does is he overnights the flag to them on Thursday. With the big pole? With, uh, a lot of times the the equipment, yeah, the pole's collapsible. Yep. They send everything to them. And uh, so he gets volunteers to do it. He, he overnights it Thursday before college game day, which is on Saturday. Uh, they ship it to the site. The person does it. They have about a yearly budget of about 2500 bucks, and what they'll do is you have to travel. They try to find people within 50 miles of the site. If you're 100 miles from the site, they'll give you some gas money so you can get to the site. But the tradition's been going on, and Pounds now has a network of about 130 alums across the country that help him out. And also, this was kind of interesting, which I might check this site out myself, because it's kind of interesting to know where uh, College Game Day is going to be at. But you can check a website on Sunday before next week's college game day and find out where they're at. But the ultimate goal, Tom says, is which I guess it has not happened um, because 2003, I thought Washington State had some glory years in there, but they want college game day to come to Pullman. Good luck. (laughs) Good luck. That's the ultimate goal. Especially after the showing on Saturday. (laughs) Right, right. It's probably not going to happen anytime soon, but that is this week's Where Are They Now? But more, who is that guy? Yeah, that's interesting. I thought, okay, so I thought maybe he was showing up at at every one. I did too. And he was going to like take a run at Rock and rolling right right you know, i thought it was same the same thing. situation yes but so not so all right nope. well that's interesting because I, I have always w- wondered wh- who's it, flying it, the wazoo flag it's always there and really what is their mental disorder he said that some people at the various sites of the game the the fans of the game that's being played they're not cool but he said some of the people have been really cool because they know it's a tradition, game day tradition and they'll say hey man do you need a beer are you hungry you need something to eat so he said some people are really really cool about it ah very good all right well uh thanks big joe that was interesting and we always uh appreciate the research and stuff you do so uh just want to give a heads up because we're just about out of here this saturday nine to four uh, Wilson High School's ROTC is holding a car wash at Rite Aid, and uh, this is a uh, fundraiser. So get out and support the local ROTC and get your car washed. Hopefully it's not raining. And, and it's, a, yeah, it's a Rite Aid on 6th Avenue. Thanks, Squeeze. So uh, get out there and do that. All right, well, this is Big D. This is Big Joe. This is Double D. And as always, this has been the Northwest Convergence Zone. Where all things come together. Come back next week because... We have some cool guests. We have uh, Platinum Spandex is going to be in here. Always a good time with this next guest, Captain Slappy from International Talk Like a Pirate Day. And Susan Jones, big-time comedian. They'll all be here next week, so we'll see you then.
This has been a production of the Northwest Convergence Zone. Email us at nwconvergencezone at gmail.com.